Grace, it is great to have you here. And so let me just say this. If today is your first Sunday at Grace and you're like, oh my word, there are a ton of people, we get it. And so you've got to know we've already started our work on the balcony. They've already done all the demo work. They're building the platforms. And so next week when you come in, it's going to look like a bomb went off up there. It didn't. It's just we're going to start opening this up as we begin to finalize that. We'll be able to pick up, oh, probably 90 or so extra seats. And uh, that's going to be a huge uh, help in these services. But if you are new, first step for you is to go back to our next steps wall. Let them know you're new. We've got a gift for you, but they're also going to give you opportunities, you know, tell you about how to get connected, how to find out, you know, where to connect with kids, uh, student ministries, discipleship, life groups, join them Bible study. It starts there at that wall, next steps wall. So make sure you stop by there after the service. Uh, they'll tell you, we got a, a dinner with the pastors coming up and uh, hopefully you can make that. But then they'll probably also tell you about our next steps class, which will be here tonight at 5 p.m. Tonight, you're going to be able to meet some of our staff that oversee our kids department, youth department, and all of that, ask questions. Um, it's a great way to find how to get connected. So be here tonight in this room at 5 p.m. But uh, there's a lot of things that are going on. I'm not going to get into all of that because I have learned the more I talk about event-wise, the less you remember. And every ministry leader thinks that me saying it is the magic thing. Once I say it, everybody's going to remember. No, the reality is the more I say, the less you remember. But the key is you got to know where to go. If you want to be in the loop, Next Steps Wall has the information you need about upcoming events and that sort of thing. But I will say this, for, for members here at Grace, just so you know, our annual business meeting will be the first Sunday, a first Sunday evening of March. And if you'll stop by the Welcome Center that's right here on your way out these front doors, um, we have voter guides there. We'll be electing a new board member. We have a few uh, things that we're uh, going to be uh, proposals for the Constitution and bylaws. And so I just want you to be aware of what we're going to be voting on. So if you could pick that up as you leave, that would be fantastic. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to, uh, to 2 Peter 1. And while you're turning there, I've had several people ask, you know, how's the Kenya team doing? They are doing a fantastic job. We have a medical team that went, dentists, doctors, and they have been seeing patients nonstop uh, there in, in the city of Molo where we've planted, uh, we actually have, there are three schools there now, a high school and two elementary schools. In fact, I just saw that our dental team, they, they treated twice as many patients as they had anticipated. It has been nonstop. And so they might need to sleep in when they get back, but it's been a great week. And so I just want to say again, for those of you that give, we don't just give to keep lights on. Uh, we don't give to pay salaries. Man, literally what God is using this church to do around the world and in our backyard truly is an amazing thing. So thank you so much for that. But, you know, we're, we're going to talk about something. It's, it's, I told you last week, if you you know, here last week, our, ser our last series was, was all about, man, going deep. What, what does it mean to know that we are justified, that we are saved? What's, what's that even mean? What's that look like? This next series from the ground up is going to look at the next step. What does it look like to grow? 
And I have a feeling that all of us in some way have gone through seasons of failure. And just in case, like if you are new to grace and you're looking for a church and you base your uh, church on the perfection of your pastor, I'm gonna chase you away with this story. So, uh, <laughs> so, so this would have been about 10 years ago. I'd been here at Grace for just a little bit. Um, we were, we'd been invited to go over to uh, a friend's house for a barbecue. And so, so I, let me just set the ground by doing this. Uh, first of all, my wife is a saint. Um, if you haven't met Lori, show up tonight. She'll be at our, our meeting tonight, uh, the Next Steps group. Uh, dude, God gave me the best. But every once in a while, we have these, I call them intense moments of fellowship. And, uh, and in those intense moments of fellowship, we usually at the heart of it, the, the number one thing we fought about in our marriage is what it means to be on time. And I, it's no secret, if you've been here, I've talked about this. Like for me, to be on time means you're 12 minutes early. Lori, to be on time means that like, if you say you're leaving at nine o'clock, that you leave at nine o'clock. She thinks that's what it means to be on time. I'm like, no, that's actually late. If you leave at nine, you're late. She's no, no, that's not the way it goes. So anyway, we've had this back and forth. Best thing for us, we got two cars, it's great. But anyway, uh, we're invited to this uh, barbecue. And so um, back in the day, I, I, I had this green Explorer and I was, I got out there and I fired it up. And so I got out there probably six minutes before we're supposed to leave. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I put Cole in his car seat. The other two kids are, are in the back and we're just like, man, come on. We gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And no Lori. And so she'd been, she was making a queso dip. She makes this queso dip that literally will just make you smack your mother-in-law. It's that good. And it's just... Sorry, like, is that on the recording? Take that out. Like, I didn't even, I slipped out. Didn't even mean to say that. But anyway, so she was finishing that up and I'm like, man, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, and um, you know, I, I'm into like whatever motivation it takes. And so um, I found out this doesn't motivate. I honk the horn um, and apparently doesn't go well. And uh, so like, but this time we're like two or three minutes late. I'm like, man, we said we were gonna be here. And like, I'm just having this irrational, like, come on. And so she comes out finally and she puts, and so she opens up the back of the trunk, that's the big container there of, of the, the cheese and, and gets in and, and like, I'm quiet, she's quiet. And I'm like, just don't say anything. So I, we back out of the driveway, close the garage door. I'm going, I'm going through a subdivision, going out to the, the main road. And like, I, I was like, don't say anything, don't say anything. And before I could stop, those words came through clenched teeth, just... And I'm like, Lori, I mean, why can't we ever just leave on time? Like what? And, and like, I am just, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm, I'm being a jerk. And, and just like, come on. And I'm just, the more I talk, the more fired up I'm getting and all this sort of thing. And, and she's just looking straight ahead. Just, and, and so, you know, I'm, I don't think she's hearing me. And so I... <laughs> And so I, I pick up my intensity and, and, uh, and so I get to the main road and, and we're turning right out of our subdivision and, and just I'm ticked. And so as we're going around, the, you know, we're pulling out on, on, onto the lake, I punch the gas. And all of a sudden my little kid, Cole, he's in the car seat, he's like four at the time or whatever. And he's like, uh-oh. And, and literally, <laughs> What had happened was that that queso dumped and went everywhere. 
And so, like, Trey, uh, my oldest son was like, hey, you spilled the cheese, Dad. And, and I mean, like, I lost it. I slammed the, the steering wheel with my hands like, are you kidding me? And so I, so I, I uh, turned the first road I can to go back to the house, and I'm just, just so frustrated. We're late. Now we're going to be later. And, and in my mind, it's, it's my wife's fault. And I'm ticked. And, and like my wife was like, she's just looking straight ahead. The kids are like, like, I mean, everybody is just like silent and I'm steaming. We pull in and I, I get out and I'm slamming the door. I'm going to clean this up. And Lori's like, let me handle it. And like, she's all cool and chill and godly. And, and I'm, I'm like, you know, just losing my mind. So I'm trying to get stuff out. And so she goes in and I, there's nothing more I can do. I'm sitting there waiting on her to come out. And dude, the Holy Spirit takes me to the woodshed. And immediately, I look in the rearview mirror, and here's what I can, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna just be like, I'm just gonna be real with you guys. I look in my rearview mirror, and I saw my kids. Trey's just like, you know, like kind of ticked. My daughter has tears in her eyes, Cole screaming. And, and I'm like, what's my deal? And immediately, man, the thought hits me. is like, man, I'm a pastor. And of all the people who should be a pastor, I'm probably the last one that should be a pastor. Dude, I can't, even, I can't even live what I preach. And dude, I'm just beating myself up. And God in his grace reminds me that I'm not who the enemy at that moment is accusing me of. And he reminds me that he has something for me. And, and literally in that moment, I just said, God, I am so sorry. And the kids, I turned around and said, man, you guys, I blew that. I was, that was so wrong. And I tell you guys what to do and I blew it. That is not what it looks like to, to live for Jesus. And I'm sorry, guys. And then Lori came in and I said, I... I am so sorry, that was, I was wrong. And then we left and I think they never said anything the rest of the trip, they're still scared of me. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And so, you know, I, I come back, we, I get, you know, we come back after having, you know, time with our friends and we get back home and I told Lori again, I was just like, I don't know what, what it is, man. I just, I said, I get so focused on myself that I forget who I am. And I, I've thought of that, like, I didn't, honestly didn't want to share that story this morning because uh, uh, I don't like remembering those events. And I'd like to say that that's the only time things like that have happened. It's not. But what God did is even this week as I was preparing for this message was reminded me, he was just reminding me of what he can do to change a person and reminded me again, even through more recent lessons that he's not done working in my life and reminded me that there's probably people <laughs> that like me, you have such a great desire for your life to match what you believe. But there are times you feel like your life and your belief are a hundred miles apart. 
And, and here's, here's what I wanna do for the next several weeks. This series called From the Ground Up is, I wanna talk about what it looks like to not just be called something, to be called righteous, but to live righteously. Um, there, I'll be introducing this word from time to time. It's called sanctification. It's a big word. Anytime I use like big biblical words, we don't know, like I bet most of you have not used that word in conversation this week. But it literally, when I, when I, when I use that word sanctification, I'm literally talking about the process by which we become more and more like Jesus in real life. And so there's this, there's this positional holiness. And I wrote, for those of you uh, that were here last week, I, I, you know, you remember that little graph that I drew? Like when, when we meet Jesus, immediately we're given the Holy Spirit, but God, be, God in his grace treats us because of Christ's sacrifice as if we'd never sinned, even though we know we've sinned. He forgives us, he changes us. And, and, and we are positionally righteous. We're positionally holy. And so, so there's positional holiness, but then what we're gonna be talking about in the series is practical holiness. How he begins through the Holy Spirit to make us who he's called us to be. Changing us in such a way so that, that what we believe and, and who we are thanks to Christ, there actually begins to, that, that, that space between, he begins to transform us in such a way that that gap isn't, what it used to be. Now listen, we're never going to be perfect in this life. But we will if we're following Jesus Christ be in the process of being made holy until Jesus Christ comes back. And so while there the, what I'm going to be preaching is not in any way uh, a message of sinless perfection. What I'm going to be preaching though is a message that says that because of what God has done and because the Holy Spirit has been given in me, he can change me in such a way that I am being made holy because all of scripture speaks to this. And we're gonna, we're gonna just break this down over the next little bit. In fact, as we dive into to 2 Peter, this is what Peter is talking about. And I wanna give some hope to those of you that have failed. How many of you, since you started following Jesus, uh, can remember a time that you failed? Let me see your hands. Good. All right. If you didn't raise your hand, you just failed. So you can raise your hand again. That's good. So, so, so Peter has some good news and some hope for fails. And so I'm going to look at the hope first, and then I'm going to introduce the challenge. There's going to be a hope and a challenge. The hope is what we're going to look at for the majority of the message. The challenge will be at the end. And the challenge is actually going to catapult us into talking about what we're going to talk about the rest of the series. But second Peter, here's what we read. Uh, Simeon Peter, or Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. This guy was a disciple. If anybody knew failure, this guy knows failure. He's the one that denied he even knew Jesus before, before Jesus went to the cross. Okay. So he knows all about this. It's amazing that he's writing this. He's writing to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, which is crazy. Disciples, you know, they're probably put up on the, the pedestal. He's like, no, you have a faith of equal standing with ours. And here's how you have that, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Here's what we read in verse three. His divine power 
has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that, and by the way, anytime you see the phrase so that in your, in your Bible, circle, circle that phrase because it's going to be, there's gonna be a claim and then there's going to be so that there's gonna be the result. If, if you act out this claim, you're gonna see what this, the difference this makes. So that through them, through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. What? Yes. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now I'm gonna pause there, keep your Bibles open. We're gonna come back and keep on reading as we look at the challenge. But based on these first four verses, I'm gonna make a huge claim here at the very beginning, okay? And this is actually at the heart of, of, this, of this series. Here's, here's my huge claim. By the indwelling Holy Spirit, and so let me explain that, as salvation, Scripture reveals we are given the Holy Spirit as a down payment. This is what Paul calls it. The, the Holy Spirit is a down payment. It's a promise of what is yet to come. He's given us in real life the ability to begin to experience what we're gonna experience for all eternity. In eternity, we're gonna become like Christ in the sense that this, the sinlessness that we long for is gonna be reality one day, but it's gonna happen at the day of Christ. That's why Paul wrote, he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it when at the day of Christ. But until then, we've been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment, which means the Holy Spirit, he's beginning to in this life, change us in such a way that there is actually tangible fruit of change. It's a down payment on what is yet to come. So by the indwelling Holy Spirit, through the miracle of salvation, believers have everything they need to become like Christ. I, I, just on these first four verses, I'm saying this. Now, if you, you wanna go deep into this, I think it was maybe last year, we did a whole series, like several weeks, diving into some of these verses. But I, I felt like I need to go back to this passage to set the table for where we're going in the next few weeks. All of us have failed. I will guarantee you that there are people in this room that sometime this week, you've had the thought, it's like, man, I know I should do more. Or I wish, man, I wish things were different. Why do I have to keep failing? Like all of, I'll guarantee, I say all of us, many probably here today have been made aware even this week of the facts like, man, I have so far to go. Good news for failures, God has given us everything we need. And I say this based on, like, I, I, I'm just not saying this. This is the word of God. Man, the Holy Spirit inspired the Holy Scripture to be written. This is the word of God. So if this is the case, what does this look like? Because it seems so unfair. Because we screw up and here's what we think is that, let me just use the example. When I, when I did what I, what I did and I was just an absolute idiot to my family and, and I, let's call it what it was, I sinned. Immediately, Satan jumps, jumps in. He tries to you know, remind you of how, how terrible you are. In fact, Pastor Will and I were just talking about this this week. It is the craziest thing. We are drawn away to sin, James, it says this in James 1, by our own desires. Like for most of you, Satan isn't gonna tempt you 
by saying, uh, you know what, today, like if you've never had a, a drug issue, you know, today I'm just gonna tempt them to just turn to hard drugs. Like he's not probably gonna start there. Like, like for, some, for some of us, it's gonna be something else. He knows what your desires are. Now, at times he can lead you to different things, but we're drawn away by our own desires. And, and what he does is he tempts us by our own desires. He knows what our desires are, tempts us. And then when we fail and we fall, he's like, ah, see, you don't have anything. You don't have what you say you have. You're just a failure. And what he tempts us to do is to find our identity in our failure and what we did rather than find our identity in what Christ did. What, what Peter is writing here is good news for failures. Listen, God doesn't leave you when you fall. It's not like the Holy Spirit's like, well, you know, Keith blew it. Dude, all it takes a little, you know, running late and spilling some cheese and he loses mine. I'm gonna find somebody, I don't need this loser. Now, God doesn't react to us like, like you know, for instance, you're, you're having an argument with your spouse. You're like, I gotta leave, I gotta cool off. Holy Spirit doesn't need to leave and cool off. No, he's, he's present, man. God's, man, the grace of God, honestly, is almost scandalous. It's so unfair, but yet God gives us this grace and he gives us everything that we need. In fact, if you're taking notes, there are three takeaways that I want us to write down. And the, the, the first thing, this has to do with the hope. The first thing that I, I want you to write down is this. God himself makes possible our godliness. God doesn't say, here's, here's a standard and you better do this. No, God introduces the standard. In fact, Peter uh, elsewhere writes uh, in quoting Leviticus, uh, this holy standard, you know, be holy for the Lord your God is holy. And you're like, okay, that's a standard. I'm in big time trouble. But then he, he shows us how we, how we live this out. It's not just that he shows the standard, he makes it possible. How does he make it possible? Well, there are three things and they all begin with the letter P, which is so funny because I didn't do that intentionally. Like I've always wanted to, uh, you know, have perfect alliteration. It happened naturally. I love it how God just made it happen. First of all, he gives us power. It's not a power like you have to dig within, like, man, I gotta, I gotta really try harder. I gotta get more discipline or anything like this. No, we read his divine power has granted to us all things. Whose power? Christ's power. Christ's power is the source of our sufficiency. I like how the Apostle Paul, one of my favorite prayers is Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. In Ephesians uh, 3, uh, he says, now to him who's able to do, what does he say? Abundantly more than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. And then he prays his prayer. I like that. According to the power at work within us. What is the power at work within us? Well, it's not like this impersonal power. The power is granted to us by the person of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is transforming us. And it's available, not just to the spiritually superior. It's funny, almost every, every religious system has, has different levels of spirituality that you get to. You have to attain this and you have all these different benefits. Man, the apostle Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, the apostle Peter is writing to all of us. Look at verse one. It's to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. What is it through? What's it by? The righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. If your trust is in Christ alone for salvation, this power is available to you. And this power has granted to us 
everything we need for life and godliness. And here's what you need to know. This is a power that will never go out. You ever had the power go out at your house? Like at night, you remember before we had cell phones and the power would go out in the middle of the night and your clock was shut off and you had your alarm clock set. I know some of you kids have no idea what I'm talking about. We actually had alarm clocks that weren't on our phone. And, and like when the power would go out, like, like it just, you'd wake up to something blinking and you'd look at, you're freaking, you know, running around. Like, like the, I remember one time we left on vacation in the summer. We'd just bought a, like a half a cow, put the, all the beef in our freezer and the freezer went out. Oh yeah, while we're gone in like a hundred degree weather, there is nothing that says welcome home, like hitting the garage door and walking into that. Like, I mean, just like, anyway, it was bad and it was bad. But, but here's the thing, this, this power is a power that never fails. It's been granted to us. It's been generously given to us. So it's not just that we've been given this divine power. We've been granted this, this provision. That's the, that's the second word that I think is so powerful. And it's, it's awesome because when, when we're living our day-to-day lives, we, we don't live many times as, we don't live from what we've been given. We live from our natural default. So for instance, let me go back to my, my story of, of failing, getting mad and losing my, losing my cool. I was not living in the spirit. I wasn't walking by the spirit. Honestly, man, I was, I was living out of, man, what I want. This is what I'm about. And my frustration came from because I was being inconvenienced. Things weren't going according to my, my, my schedule, my way. When, when he says that, that we've been given everything we need for life and godliness, he, he doesn't mean that we've been given a few of the things that we need. He means that we've been given everything we need, which means that when, when failure happens and failure that, that will happen, it's actually a, an incredible red flag. It's, it's the beeping on the freezer that goes off saying that, that, that there's something going on here. And the dis, the, you know, if there's an issue with the power, it's never gonna be the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be, man, I'm not walking according to the spirit, I'm walking according to the flesh. In fact, men, write this verse down. I'm, I'm, uh, it's not in my notes, but just write this down. Galatians 5, 16. It's one of the greatest promises in all scripture. The apostle Paul, before he introduces the fruit of the spirit, what it looks like, he makes this claim. He says that if we walk by the spirit and not according to the flesh, he makes the point that we're not going to fail. And you're like, oh, here we go. Perfectionistic teaching. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that we don't fail in this area. I'm saying that the reason we failed was not because God held out on us. It's because we didn't receive or believe that we had everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us power, He's provided everything that we need. But not only that, he has incredible promises that anchor everything that we have. And I think there's a lot of times, it's, uh, I just was talking, who's I talking to this week? They're talking to me. They had a type of coverage through their insurance that they didn't even know that they had. And they'd been calling, uh, they'd been calling somebody else to try to provide this and they were paying out of pocket 
And they had no idea that in their insurance, it was providing, man, I'm, I can't even think of who it was I was talking to. Anyway, what, whatever. The, the whole purpose was they were paying out of pocket themselves for something that had already been paid for, something that was already covered. They just didn't know what was, the, they just didn't know what was in their contract. Let, let me use that, that idea. I think there's a lot of times we don't even know what the promises of God are. And if we don't know the promise of God, you'll never claim the promises of God. You can't claim what you don't know. And so, uh, man, like you're getting, you're getting stuff. That first service they didn't even get. I, just those poor losers. Um, <laughs> no, I, I want you to think about this. Literally, this, this is actually a, a crazy thing. We, we have so got in our minds that we got to read our Bible and pray every day so we'll grow, grow, grow. And we think that, that it's the mechanical reading of scripture that, that feeds this growth. That is not true. I'm really glad that if you're reading your scripture, scripture every day, praise God, I'm glad you're doing that. Great discipline. But it's not the discipline itself that makes you grow, grow, grow. It's you understanding what you're reading and living in response to what you're reading that allows you to grow, grow, grow. You know what I'm saying? Like when we were kids, we sang a song. And we'd, we'd, sit all, we'd, we'd sit down in our chairs, you know, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day. Pray. Anybody ever sing that song? Read your Bible, pray every day. And then we'd do this, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow, grow. And like, then by the time so we're standing on our chairs, grow, grow, grow. And you know, here's the deal, man. It's just not like this, oh, you know what? I'm gonna read my Bible this morning. I'm gonna have my devotions. I'm gonna grow. No. It's information, you gotta know, but it's information plus application that leads to transformation. Oh, that's good preaching. I am preaching. It is good today. No, my, my point is this, like he's given us everything we need. He's given us a power. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us, you know, the, the, his incredible provision. He's given us these incredible promises that we can claim he has not held out on us. In fact, man, just, let me just real quick, just say this again. I'm just adding all kinds of stuff. Right in your scripture, I mean, I'm writing your scripture, right in your sermon guide, if you're taking notes, uh, John 14 through 16, those three chapters, 14 through 16. And by the way, we're gonna be spending a lot of time in John 15 in this series, but, but John 14 through 16, the, there's more introduction of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does in those, in those chapters than anywhere in scripture. You need to know, what, what the Holy Spirit is doing and will do in your life. Just, just spend some time studying through this. He's given us everything we need. But okay, so this is the hope. For every person that's like, man, I just like, there's such a huge gap between, man, what I believe and what I'm seeing. You have, God is not holding on to you. He's, he's giving you everything you need. But here's the challenge, okay? We're gonna, I'm gonna introduce challenge and then we're gonna get to this in, in the, the weeks to come. There's something for us to do in response to what God has done. So God himself makes our godliness possible, but, but there's a second aspect to this. And this is what's introduced here in, in, uh, in, in, verse, in verse five, where he says, for this very reason, Look what he says in verse five. Make every effort. Okay, what, what, what reason is he talking about? Well, you've been given everything you need. Since you've been given everything you need, don't live without what you've been given. 
Don't, don't live as if you haven't been given anything. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement, to add to your faith, if you will, virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. He, he's saying don't just live like almost like as a, as a little kid and there's zero growth. No, get up and do some walking. And, and so, so, so let, let me say this, God's given us everything that we need for godliness, but growth and godliness isn't automatic. It has to be pursued. Our, our part is not to somehow magically come up with ways to become godly. But what we do is in faith, believing that God has promised us this, we live and act and pursue godliness in response to what we've already been given. You see, a lot of times we live believing here, but we don't live as if we believe what we say we believe. And so what Peter is saying is like, let's make this very practical. Get up and go for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now here's where, and this has been honestly a bit like, it's a theological movement that is, has become very prevalent, very much so in, in the Western world in I would guess the last 100 years. And it's this emphasis, it's, you know, there's been an appropriate thing of we are not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We, we spent a whole series making sure we understand this. But there's almost been this, this overcorrection that's moved from legalism to this whole thing that we've said, well, we don't have to do anything. We're, all we have to do is believe in, in that sense that, that it's just like an internal belief. No, there are things that we're to do to grow. It's like, for those of you, it's like, you know, I wanna lose weight. And you start looking for the silver bullet to lose weight. You know, you, you know the silver bullet thing. You know, if you don't know anything about silver bullet, you know, like silver bullet, so it's gonna take out a werewolf. And you gotta find that, that's that one thing. And, and, but here's the deal, the, the silver bullet, you know, I'm gonna tell you right now, you, you want free fitness advice? from a fat guy, I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's just very simple. Get your butt out of bed and go to the gym and start eating right. Literally, that will actually make a big difference in your life. I, like, you wanna get fit? Like, well, no, but, but I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time. I just, I wanna be able to sit here and lose weight. <laughs> and it work. Man, twice, the Holy Spirit kept me from saying something. The, okay, so what? Yeah, there are times we want, we want the, quick, the, the quick thing, the quick fix with zero effort on our part. Now listen, effort is not a bad thing. If, 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 if you're putting your trust in your effort for your salvation, it's a bad thing. But I, I like this quote from Dallas Willard. He says, grace is not opposed to working. Grace is opposed to earning. There's a big difference. Okay, let me, let me say it again. Some of us, you, you weren't paying attention. Listen, grace is not opposed to working. Grace is opposed to earning. 
there's, listen, all through scripture, there's no place in scripture where God says, I'm gonna save you and then you sit on your fat butt and I'm gonna pull you into the kingdom. Dude, the spirit did not stop me from saying that. I shouldn't have said that. But you get what I'm saying, okay? This is the point that I'm making. No, no, there is, there is effort that's required of us. Now, God's given us everything we need to grow, but we're not gonna automatically grow. We have to pursue this. It starts with realization. I, I need to grow. And I'm gonna tell you, man, when I had, every person who has failed, when, when the Holy Spirit is faithful to you and he shows you that, that you have failed, there, there's the first step in this process, the realization like, man, I am not where I need to be. But that realization will go away and we will stop thinking about it if it doesn't move to inspiration, which inspiration is not just, I need to grow. The motivation, uh, you know, the, the inspiration and motivation is I want to grow, which then will lead us to the, inf- you know, it's the information. What do I need to know to grow? And then this whole application part is this, I have to actively pursue and act on what I know to grow. Mike Avery, a good friend of mine, mentor, many of you know him, he's been here to speak several times. Years ago, I heard him preach a message when I was a kid. He said, you can have all of God you want, but you gotta have the want to. And the problem is for a lot of us, we stop short at the realization I need to grow, but our want is broken. And we've got to the place where we've honestly become stunted in our walk spiritually because we would rather settle for being comfortable and feeling good about ourselves when we believe something that never touches the way we live our everyday lives. God has more for you than this. He's given us everything we need to grow, but we have to pursue this. But here's the last thing I wanna leave you with. And this is again, man, just great inspiration. We're gonna break this down in the days to come the pursuit of godliness will begin to pay off right now. It will begin to pay. It's not gonna just pay off in the future. It's not like you're investing, you know, some of you, you're investing your, your, your retirement, uh, but, but you're not touching that money now. No, this begins to pay off now. This is an investment that will lead to returns now. Verse eight, keep reading. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, Peter writes, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Here's our problem. We live many times, and when I say we, notice I'm saying we, I'm throwing myself into this as well. As Christians, there are times we live forgetting what God has done for us. We forget who we were when God saved us. Man, the, the power of grace, and we actually, amazing grace turns to boring grace. We get so impressed based on the fruit that God has produced because of his grace that we start taking credit for it and we forget and we start slipping back to living according to our strength, not by his. No, this whole point is this. If you lack these qualities, you're gonna forget. But verse 10 says, you know, as, but, but therefore brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Now get this, our calling and election doesn't come from us. It comes from, from God. He's the one who calls. He's the one who likes us. The confirmation is this, that we actually see, though at times imperfectly living out, we see the fruit of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. He says, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Somebody circle that, underline that. 
great hope. If you practice, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave us with this. Man, there are, there are four things that, that we'll, you will begin to see as we agree with God and we avail ourselves of what God's already done. And we, man, in faith, we, in obedience, we follow the Holy Spirit. We're first of all going to see fruit. I'm gonna tell you guys, listen, that, that time that I spoke of at the very beginning where I was an absolute jerk, that is not the last time that I fell. It's not the last time that I failed. But God in his grace, and this is no, my testimony is not me patting myself on the back. This is the grace of God. As I have pursued godliness, and as I've watched many of you sitting here pursue godliness, what I've seen is that your pursuit of godliness touches every area of your life. There is fruit in your marriage. It is impossible for us to pursue godliness and for us to hate in our marriage. Now, that doesn't mean it takes, takes two to have a healthy, godly marriage. I get that. But what I'm saying is that what happens is we pursue, God begins to transform us. We're not responsible for, for everything. Man, we, we, that's what we pray. We ask God to do a miracle. But I've never seen two people who are pursuing God with everything they have saying, oh, well, you know, our marriage, you know, it's, it's over. We're getting out of here. Not getting any amens there. I'm just telling you, I've been doing this a long time. I have yet to see this. It's changed my marriage. Can I tell you that pursuing godliness has changed me as a dad? I can, man, I hate this, that my kids someday are going to therapy because of me. I'm just telling you, I just, there are times that just drives me crazy. But in all seriousness, God has changed me in such a way. My pursuit of godliness has changed who I am as a dad. It's changed who I am as a friend. It's changed who I am as a pastor. It's just changed who I am day to day. I'm a different man. Man, I'm not where I wanna be. I'm not who I wanna be. But thank God, because of his grace, I'm not who I used to be. There is fruit that we begin to see now. And it's not just fruit, we're given assurance. Can I tell you that as we just continue to fail, continue to fail, continue to fail, and, 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 and literally we're just, we find our identity in our failure, it erodes our confidence. We start thinking, maybe I don't really have, you know, maybe God really doesn't have this for me, or maybe I'm a second class citizen of the kingdom of heaven. No, listen, are you a failure? Yes. Dude, we're all failures at some point. But as we begin to see the fruit of this pursuit, it, when we fail, we don't fail just like, and we feel like, oh, God's through with me. He's done with me. No, we get up and we keep walking. You know, it's like when your kids begin to walk, when your kids, you know, take their first few steps, especially when it's your first kid. You know, by the time you get to your third kid, you're like, yeah, we've seen it, not, but not a big deal. <laughs> But you know, like when your child begins to walk and they take those, those stumbling steps, literally you are fired up. You're like, get out the camera. We're, man, the phone, we're, we're, we're taking a picture of this. We're posting to Facebook. They took their first steps. We celebrate. But when they begin to take those first steps, 
Do they just keep walking perfectly? No. They stumble around and inevitably, what do they do? They fall. What do you do as a parent when your kid falls? Loser! (laughs) What's your problem? You started to walk. That's it. You're your mom's kid. Oh God, like you don't do that. No, you know what you do? You pick them up and you celebrate the fact that they begin to take their first steps. And when they fall, they don't fall thinking, oh God, you know, I guess my dad's through with me. No, they hear, all they hear is, come on, you took some steps. Let's go. Why do we have this view of God as like, we take our steps, begin to do this and we fall and we're, and this, you know, we just think that God's like, loser, I'm through with you. No, John, I heard John Maxwell uh, a couple years ago share something. He said, everybody celebrates with somebody when they walk across the stage and you know, at graduation and they get their uh, college degree. He said, that's when everybody cheers. He said, I think there needs to be a list of people that, that is uh, a whole bunch of people that cheers them when they start the journey. He said, we don't just need to, we cheer at the end. We cheer that they started and we cheer along the way. We pick them up because every decision to get up and keep going just says, I believe that this doesn't, this failure doesn't define me. This is what we do. We get up and keep going. God's given us everything that we need. We're still going to fall, but we get up. We have, man, man, we're changed now. We see difference now. We're taking more steps than we ever took before. It's not our strength. It's the Holy Spirit's strength. He's in us. He's for us. He's cheering us on. We have fruit. We have assurance. We have victory. We begin to see God breaking chains. We begin to see things that we didn't think possible begin to happen. And we also know that what we have in our future, eternal life, it's actually anchored here. We can know. 1 John 5, 13, that we know, that we know, that we know that we have eternal life. We know that we have eternal life. I write these things to you that you may know, he says. We know, not because we're perfect, but it's because we know positionally we've been called children of God. But we also have availed ourselves of everything that God's made available to his kids and we're walking forward. We're pursuing this. Here's the deal, guys. Do you want to pursue this? Do you want to pursue this? I, I don't want to be and to live my life as the guy that is so ticked about what time we leave that that just owns my life. I want to live a life that is not marked by the fruit of the flesh, but that's marked by the fruit of the spirit. And the only way that's possible is to remember that it's God who anchors all this. He's given us everything we need through Christ. But then we have a responsibility to pursue and to claim what he's given us. In the weeks to come, we're gonna talk specifically about what it looks like. In fact, next week, bring a knife, a sword, a scissors, because we're gonna talk about some things we gotta cut out. And we're gonna just get real as we dig in next week. I want you to stand as we close. And I've got a question as you stand. In fact, I, I don't often do this, and, and this, is, this is only for Christians, but I'm not gonna even ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes or anything like that, because if it's real, you shouldn't be ashamed of it because this is for Christians. How many of you would say this? I need to grow. 
God's challenged, God's challenged me to grow. And, and I know that I need to take some next steps forward. Would you just raise your hand? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray in closing. And here's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand, I just want you, don't listen to my prayer. This is not a performance prayer. I want you to pray with me. And all I want you, it's just a very simple commitment I'm asking you to make. God, I believe that you've made this available and I'm gonna trust you that, that, that you have everything I need to grow. And God, I'm gonna make a commitment that over these next several weeks and as we go forward, I'm going to pursue what you have for me. I want you to pray that in your own way as, as we close, but let's see what God does. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for what you're doing in your people. Thank you, God, that, that we're not who we used to be. God, we, we see though that, that there are next steps that we need to take, but God, for far too long, we've been afraid to put ourselves out there because we're afraid we're gonna fail. God, may we have a view of you that is so much greater than our fear of failure, where we believe that you want this for us even more than we want this, that you're going to help us, that you've given us everything we need, that God, you're gonna pick us up, that God, may we do our part and we're committing to you that by your grace, we're gonna pursue this. And so God, for what you're gonna do through this people in the weeks to come, for how you're gonna challenge us, I wanna thank you for this. I can't wait to see what you have in store. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, you're dismissed.